All right, let's crack open our Friday afternoon. We do that with Dennis Stewart, our naturopath. Good afternoon, Dennis. Good afternoon, Mark. I missed you last week, but Greg stood in well for you. Well, you know, we all took a step to the left. So I, but, <laughs> oh, a step for the left, okay. Oh, well, not politically. That surprises me. That would. <laughs> uh, in, yeah, well, well, maybe if you look at it in the mirror, I took a step to the right, maybe. Better, better. But look, we're getting distracted, which is kind of what happened last week mm. when you, um, you, you ended up on Bitter Melon, but you wanted to really kick off by talking about well-known, um, uh, uh, well, Hippocrates, I'm, I'm messing his name up. Here, Dennis, read your, can you read your work, please? <laughs> last week and yeah. this week, I'll reiterate what I said last week, and that is we'll be looking at the ideas of Hippocrates, the great medical philosopher of Greek civilization, who made that remarkable statement that food is your best medicine or let medicine be your food. And we looked very competently at that topic when we looked at bitter melon, the most utilised vegetable in the world in the countries that know how to use it and eat it for helping people with blood sugar problems, particularly type 2 diabetes. But this time around, you want to do the tomato. And, uh, yeah, have and, we got something to say on this? And look, if you haven't got time to listen for the next hour, I'll make it simple for you. Dennis will say, get more spaghetti and more pizzas into you. Well, that's pretty well... <laughs> Appreciate what I was going to say. <laughs> See, there you go, there you go. Everything is old as new again. Huh? We'll get into some of that, Dennis. Before we get into your topic for today, had a gent ring up uh, not all that long ago. Uh, has had enlarged prostate for the last three months or so. Uh, can't do the medication given by the GP due to some of the severe side effects. There, do you uh, have a path for our gentleman caller? Look, it's interesting that this uh, gentleman has, uh, has has rang in because. Uh, um, the condition of enlarged prostate is very, very common, particularly as uh, as we get older. In fact, it's likely to be characteristic of all males, and that's a big call, but certainly the majority of males uh, will likely experience some degree of prostate enlargement. Uh, the enlargement is not necessarily the problem. In fact, interestingly, uh, it's noticed that sometimes a very small prostate gland uh, can cause significant prostate symptoms. And for the sake of listeners, they might say, well, what is that? Well, common symptoms associated with uh, a prostate gland that's giving problems, usually associated with enlargement is, for instance, nocturnal frequency, getting up to have a pee multiple times during the night, uh, a poor stream, uh, having to work hard to get it started. These are some of the symptoms, common symptoms, uh, that can be associated with an enlarged prostate gland. Uh, and as I've said, even a small uh, gland uh, can cause those symptoms, whereas paradoxically, sometimes a, a larger gland that one would think would uh, be in, in trouble uh, doesn't reflect the same degree of symptoms. It's a, it's a bit of a paradox, yeah. but in so any it's, case... it's not always a one plus one equals two scenario. That's, that's correct. In fact, uh, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, you know, listeners have heard me talk about this great German physician and, and medical herbalist. He mentions that paradox in his section on the prostate gland in his remarkable book entitled uh, Herbal Medicine. Now, what I would say, however, is that uh, depending upon the trouble that the person is having with the enlarged prostate gland, that determines whether or not um, using softer approaches 
to lessen the symptoms and slow down the enlargement or control it is worthwhile. If the gland has reached a point where the enlargement is actually hindering uh, an adequate and safe urination, where uh, sometimes urination actually is, is, is stopped as a result of the enlargement, that obviously and rightly needs to be a condition for which the urologist is consulted and that would probably lead to a surgical intervention with what's referred to as a transurethral resection. Uh, amongst the male population, the working class particularly, of which I'm a member, frequently referred to as the rebar. Now, this gentleman has been obviously placed on medication, so his GP has determined that the level of prostate enlargement that he has uh, is capable of responding to medication. Now, it's interesting that the medication, and we're not going to mention it, that this chap is reacting to was the same medication that a gentleman um, talked to me about in my rooms at New Lampton yesterday with the same sort of side effects. Now, this doesn't always happen, but uh, listeners should be aware, and particularly male listeners should be aware that uh, good as some of these medications are, there are downsides to them, and in some cases they can be quite severe and quite frightening. And in this case here, this gentleman said he had severe side effects. It's obviously a situation in this man's case, and I come back to it, where the GP is medicating it, which means the GP has determined, as I've said, that it's capable of treatment uh, with medication at this stage, not warranting the intervention of, of surgery. Now, in this gentleman says, is there anything in the natural world that could be of use to him? Mm. I'll be forthright and say that there are two herbs uh, which are the backbone, certainly, of Western herbal medicine prescribing and certainly the backbone of, of, uh, of what I use. The leading remedy, and I've mentioned it on this program before, is the American herb known as saw palmito or saw palmito. Uh, it's a palm tree. It grows readily in this country. I have one growing on my property out at North Rockbury for identification purposes. It produces a berry, and that berry contains active chemical constituents which have been shown to have benefit in alleviating the symptoms of prostate enlargement. Now, you've noticed that I've said alleviate the symptoms. We're not talking necessarily about resolving the condition. We're talking about alleviating the situation and maybe slowing down the process. Saw palmito is the leading remedy. And if this gentleman likes to Google it, mm. he will find there's a stack of information, Mark, on, on, on Google, which talks about it. But these days... It's also being reinforced in, in combination of herbal preparations with the root of stinging nettle. Now, let me just say, the root of stinging nettle, listeners may have heard me over the years talk about the leaf of dried stinging nettle being useful to manage some skin diseases, but the root with a different chemistry has been shown to have some benefit also in alleviating the symptoms of the enlarged prostate. Summarising it, in the case of this dear man that's rung in from Singleton, what I would say, go to your pharmacy, and your pharmacy would have the product that I'm referring to, a combination of those two herbs uh, taken regularly gives great relief. If it's any consolation to you, it may not be. I have taken that combination of herbs probably now 
for five to six years. If I go off those remedies, those herbs, that preparation, I notice the difference. So every day my dear wife will vouch for it. The first thing I do when I get up is take three capsules of this combination that contains saw palmito and nettle root. Well, there you go. You mentioned uh, a very common uh, scenario. Of course, our, our caller there, um, you, you're, you're taking this yourself, Dennis, and a gentleman came into your, your healing rooms yeah, yesterday with just, the same thing. It's just coincidental. Uh, mm. In fact, it's, it's, it's very coincidental. This was not arranged, I can assure you. No. But two, uh, two gentlemen, uh, one from uh, the, the lower hunt around this area, around uh, uh, Cessnock and that, that part of the world, uh, and this chap from Singleton, both taking mm. the same duo medication it is, basically a dual medication, I should say, and having some side effects. Now, let me emphasise, Mark, this doesn't happen in every case and um, the, the GP knows what he's doing and mm-hmm. he should be respected. But where there are severe side effects from this and this guy has been frightened by it, well, then being aware that there may be options in, in, in natural medicine is useful. See, it's all, all, all goes on in your healing rooms, doesn't it? Oh, oh, it has done for the last 45 years. <laughs> Only another 20 to go. Uh, 49216216. We'll get into tomatoes next, I promise. Right. All right. Okay. G'day, Paul at Islington. Uh, you also want to uh, continue the prostate discussion today, Paul. Yes, I just heard Dennis mentioning that he takes three capsules of this uh, palmito each, uh, each day. I want to know if they're a big brown ca- capsule. Uh they are. Um, I can't mention product names, Paul, obviously, but yep. they are a fairly large, uh, more more blackish than brown. Yeah, similar to um, um, Astragalus 8. I also take two of them each day as well, but I'm only taking one capsule. Is that enough well, per day? If you're just taking it, if it's saw palmito on its own, um you should be looking at dosage. I haven't got the uh, the Bible in front of me. That is the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, which I consider the yep. Bible of modern herbal medicine. But it would have the dose range. I suspect. I suspect the dose range would be between five hundred milligrams to a thousand milligrams of the dried herb or its equivalent. But I can't um, say exactly that is the situation. If you rang my New Lambton number, my receptionist could go straight into my consulting room, get the pharmacopoeia, and in two minutes give you what the dosage is. But I think I'm on the right money there, Paul. Yeah. Okay. So my uh, my situation uh, it it's hasn't got any better. I'm yes. uh, I'm in a bit of trouble, and uh, <clears throat> I haven't been to the to a doctor. I would rather do things <clears throat> myself. Uh, and I, that's why I listen to programs like yours. Okay. Um, I mean, the pumpkin seeds as well. Um, mm. Do you think that that's yeah, beneficial, or am I, I wasting I've, my time? I've read a bit on pumpkin seeds. Doctor yeah. Weiss, whose works I regard highly, um, he mentions that he doesn't he he doesn't rave about them. Put it that way. He doesn't rave okay. about them. I think if you're in trouble, there's a couple of things that you have to uh, appreciate. If you're in, in a situation where at times your urinary function actually seizes up, uh, that indicates that you've got a problem. And I would be recommending highly that you see your GP so you can get some investigation because if the gland eventually reaches a point where it occludes 
your ability yep. to urinate, you're in big trouble. So I, okay. I, I would encourage you, as you would expect me to do, to respect the advantages of mainstream medicine, get it looked at by your GP, which might mean an MRI or a digital examination, find out where it's at and, um, and then make some decisions. But if it's reaching that point of embarrassment uh, where you're having trouble, don't leave it to the point where uh, it seizes up on you to use the colloquial term. Okay, well, it's, um, I mean, I'm up two, sometimes three times a night now, and okay. sometimes I'm standing over the toilet for three or four minutes trying to get something to happen. Yeah, well, in my, in my opinion, you should see your GP and get it looked at. The treatment with saw palmito and other herbs is for what I would call an earlier situation, um, yep. and it's not a pro a propounded as an alternative treatment. I take it more as a preventative because I know that at this late stage of my life, the, the, the gland is likely to eventually give me trouble. It doesn't at this stage. In your situation, you're well along the track. Please see your GP. Don't yep. get into a situation where you're screaming out for, for an intervention. Okay, best of luck with everything there, Paul. Uh, and, uh, Dennis, let's jump into it. Um, the humble tomato, we use it for salads, we use it for all sorts of other things, a lot of hot meals. Um, some folks are going to be very happy with what you have to say. Some are going to be like, <laughs> damn it. Okay. All right, so what's in the tomato that's so good, okay, firstly? Okay, look, tomato is a nice vegetable or fruit, depending on how you determine it. There's debate as to whether it is a vegetable or a fruit. But does the debate come from just the fact that it's not like a hand fruit? Like it's it's not like oh, look, a... Some, sometimes you do see people uh, doing that. No, really? Like yeah, an apple eat, or a pear? Eat, eat it like an apple. But the thing about the tomato is that it is rich. It is rich in a substance called lycopene. L-Y-C-O-P-E-N-E. Now, lycopene... Um, doesn't mean much to listeners. But lycopene has a very important role to play, believe it or not, as a potential preventative um, or defensive agent against prostate cancer. Now, that's a big call, and I do not want listeners to confuse my discussion, brief as it might be, about t t tomato concentrate and prostate cancer with what I've said about mm enlargement of the prostate gland. The two are different conditions altogether. But lycopene in the tomato, in the tomato, has been shown to be so potentially effective that the two great, well, they are great, two great Canadian PhDs working in, in Montreal in a particular clinical environment wrote that book, which I've mentioned frequently, entitled Foods That Fight Cancer. I'll say it again for listeners out there because I believe, and I'll stand by it, this work by Gingras and Bellevue is, in my opinion, the most sensible, readable and credible work looking at the relationship of a selection of foods that they have shown from their research and trials and investigation to have a role to play in preventing or even addressing early prostate cancer. We can't refute the work that they've done. If there are people out there that are sceptical, particularly in the mainstream, let me remind you, these guys have got PhDs. They're not fools. 
their work is so beautifully presented that the book itself is a joy to read. Now, in that work, they say over a number of pages that tomato is almost the necessary food for a preventative and perhaps a useful a useful companion treatment for people in, in the early stages, particularly of prostate cancer. If you think I'm going over the top, please read the work to see how their case is irrefutable and they put down the virtue of the tomato, and I'll talk about how to use it in a moment, to its content of lycopene. So when we're talking about tomato being a good food uh, for men to use as a potential preventative agent, we're talking about it being used in a concentrated form not just as an occasional tomato sandwich. All right, so we're just whacking it on the odd burger, great for taste, in and in, in that of itself is not going to Absolutely. get Absolutely. Let me just say this, that lycopene is the active principle. Lycopene is the substance which has been the topic of investigation to explain how it is that in certain parts of the world where tomato in various forms, particularly... In, in prepared forms, cooked forms, and we'll talk about that in a moment, could potentially explain why the incidence of prostate cancer in those countries is demonstrably less than what it is in Anglo countries, where apart from using the tomato cold on a sandwich, it's very rarely used in the way that allows lycopene to be liberated from the tomato. And that's the clue. The tomato has to be uh, exposed to a heating process, ideally, ideally a heating process, which involves it being fried in olive oil. Now, the Italian people out there will oh, love me for tick. saying that. <laughs> Big yes, tick. I, I've got a free meal <laughs> at every Italian restaurant tonight. Now, in other words, unless the tomato is cooked, the lycopene in the tissue of the tomato is not liberated act, uh, uh, properly. When tomato is, say, fried or cooked or exposed to heat, particularly heat in an oily base, such as olive oil, you get a very, very, very high content of lycopene, remarkably high. Now, just as an interesting thing, just as an interesting thing, for those that think that I'm not doing the right thing by the tomato, you might be interested to know, and you and I were talking about this before the break, that the highest level of lycopene, which we are saying, mm. is the medicinal aspect of the tomato, the highest level of lycopene occurs in tomato paste. Oh, lovely. Oh, you know, yeah, I thought you'd say that. I could drink tomato paste as a hot, tasty <laughs> beverage, Dennis. I really could. <laughs> the, the, the argument of the, of the two uh, Canadians is that mm. the regular, almost daily use of tomato paste in a particular meal getting 29.3 milligrams of lycopene per 100 grams of tomato paste is a good way of working potentially uh, to resist, put it that way, to resist the development of prostate cancer. So what am I saying? If you're going to take this on board and take it seriously and not just think that Dennis has gone mad, although many people do. Um, <laughs> if you're going to, as a male, take seriously what I'm saying, let me just say get hold of Bellevue and Gingrass's book, Food is Your Best Medicine, 
Uh, it's not expensive. Read the section on tomato to see what I'm talking about. If you want to harness the benefit of lycopene, the active principle in the tomato, get hold of the... T you can use any tomato, but preferably get tomatoes that are, if anything, a bit overripe and very, very red. The red colour of the tomato is indicative of the concentration of the active principle. So eating, uh, having a green tomato in, in pickles or something is pretty well a waste of time. Uh, except for taste purposes. If except, you, yeah. Exactly. And look, I'm all for enjoying mm. uh, tomato in a salad or something like mm. that. What I'm talking about is credible literature that says this food, like the bitter melon that we were talking about last week, this food is not just an enjoyable food, but it has demonstrable ability when used consistently on a daily basis as medication, harnessing the lycopene content, it can be useful in helping males. And I'll, not, I'll use that term, helping males do something about developing cancer under, of course, the monitoring of their GP and their, and their urologist. Now, the good thing, Mark, is for those that don't, like uh, a lot of uh, spaghetti bolognese and oh, other say things. I won't have a Dennis. I will. It. No, I don't oh, believe it. Oh, mate, I had a wonderful feed of that a lovely little Italian yeah. restaurant in uh, West Cessnock the other night. Beautiful. Uh, but for those that don't want to go down that pathway, you can, as you would expect. There's no room for those people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you would expect that in a modern Western world, you can get capsules of lycopene. I'll say that. For those that are a little bit reluctant to take on board what I've said, mm. you can purchase, and this is typically the Western way of doing things, you can purchase that which makes the tomato work in a capsule form. Lycopene capsules can be purchased and taken one capsule per day, which is about 15 milligrams. That is considered to be adequate to harness what we're talking about here. Its ability, perhaps to slow down, to work against, to help fight the fight against cancer. Sorry, Dennis, I was distracted. I was ordering a pizza, mate. That's fine. <laughs> Some spaghetti. I was noticing you mm. salivating there, Mike. Mm. All right. <laughs> Dennis, we'll talk tomatoes again next week yeah. um, because you're wanting to sort of delve into the blood pressure side yeah, of things. Yeah, look, there's a, a lot of very interesting work that's been done on lycopene and you notice I'm using the term lycopene because mm. it is the lycopene active principle in tomato, which we're, which I'm contending from the literature is responsible for its benefits, perhaps, in uh, combating or helping fight uh, prostate cancer. But also that lycopene has been reliably shown by university studies in the Middle East from the University of the Negev in Beersheba in Israel to have a useful role to play either as an early medication under the doctor's monitoring to stop the drift towards higher levels of medication or as a companion medication for where a patient is already on uh, blood pressure medication and is looking for something or the doctor is looking for something to help stop the drift towards more and more blood pressure medications. So there's some exciting work which puts forward the potential of lycopene administered in the correct dosage by those competent to be able to monitor it and understand it as a, a, a role 
model, uh, if you like, a substance with uh, great potential as a, a, a common substance to help fight one of the most common diseases, hypertension or high blood pressure. Am I saying it is a blood pressure drug? No, I'm saying that it is a food with a lycopene content which may have a role to play if used medicinally in helping the medical treatment of blood pressure. A little bit more on that next week. Last one, Cheryl from Wollongong. I've got about 30 seconds for you, Cheryl. Talking a tail mushroom, or turkey tail mushroom cablet, uh, capsules. Yes. What do you, yes. What do you want to... I just want to know, does Dennis have any, um, you know, opinion on them? We've been, my husband's recovering from cancer and we've been, he's been taking these for some time and, uh, you, know, you know, quite a high dose. Okay. Just wondering if you have any comment. Look, turkey tail mushrooms is uh, Coriolis versicolor, which is a very popular uh, medication used in Chinese medicine to support our, our immunology. So um, I think, I don't know a lot about it more than that. I do use a, a spectrum of Chinese herbs, uh, but it's, it's not one that I frequently use. I know of it, and it is used as an immune-supporting agent and popularly used as what's called fusheng therapy in China, which means prescribed in conjunction with. Okay, okay. So would you put that above, like, astragalus? I mean, would you put astragalus above that? Because that was one that I've, you know, used to... I, 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 I consider astragalus and the so-called yes. astragalus 8 formula as a very, very significant companion remedy for those that are dealing with conditions that you've mentioned under medical, under medical monitoring. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Run out of time. Dennis, uh, a great chat this week. A little bit more uh, next time good around. Good discussion. Good oh, discussion. Mate, you got that pizza yet? I've ordered it. Have you? I've ordered it. I can smell it. But, uh, well, it's not here yet. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's not play it up too much. Mate, thanks. We'll talk to you next okay. time. That's Health Naturally. Racked up, stacked up and packed up for Friday. Dennis back next Friday with us. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.